You're listening to The Huddle with Penn State Sports Business Conference, presented by Pepsi. Welcome back to The Huddle with Penn State Sports Business Conference. I'm one of your co-hosts, Destiny Sanchez, alongside Noah. Noah, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Destiny. A much-needed spring break, you know, cleared the mind, you know, got to enjoy some good weather and some bad weather back on L.I., um, it was it was a good it was a good spring break and I'm ready to get back into this. Yes, I am also from Long Island and we had like a very weird mix of days. It was like really bad weather and then snowy and then like 60. So it made no sense, but happy to be back in Happy Valley. Um and in the past week, um I am also a very happy girl because the MLB finally came to an agreement and baseball is happening, and we are starting spring break. We will have the 162 games, um, but there's a lot of movement going around with trading and trades and everything. A lot of people going to different teams that I was very surprised to see, but um, I'm just happy that baseball will be happening. Yeah, it's it's, it's actually kind of crazy so much stuff happening in the neck in the last couple weeks you know with basketball with football and then now baseball says hey remember us uh you know after that lockout the players union and um um, robert manfred um came to an agreement and so many gigantic trades um i think you and i definitely feeling the gary sanchez trade from the yankees i love gary sanchez you know it's, you know, whatever we're seeing them make some moves, um, getting Josh Donaldson, I believe. Yes. Um, so that's a huge, huge, huge um, pickup for the Yankees, even though, you know, it seems like it doesn't matter how much star power we have. We still can't get over that hump. Um, Mets also made a lot of moves. There's a lot of um, stuff going on with Freddie Freeman and all that's um, all like just big players just moving around. You'd think that baseball would come in quietly, but no, they came in with a bang. You know, not only is baseball back, but. You know, the stove is heating up, basically. Yeah, with that shortened spring break, um, um, shortened spring training, sorry. Um, they got to make some moves quickly before the season starts. And uh, still on the topic of baseball here at Penn State, um, the Penn State baseball team um, was supposed to have their home opener today. It got canceled due to field conditions, but they will kick off their season going against Niagara um, on Wednesday. And then a three-game series this weekend against Milwaukee. I'm excited to see this team. I w- was in a press conference with Coach with Coach Rob Cooper. Um, he is very motivated for this season. They're really um, hyped to get this season going and just to play some normal ball. It's been a while since they've had a normal season, so I'm really excited to see them play. Yeah, same here. You know, Rob Cooper is definitely going to need all the help of the Meddler Maniacs in Cooperstown to, you know, support the baseball team on the diamond this year. Field conditions, come on. Like, the con- you mean, like, it's, it's what a terrible way to, you know, not have your double header. You know, like, you think it's not even raining. It's a beautiful day outside. And, you know, they don't get to play. But, hey, I'm okay with weekend baseball anyway. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be good to for the baseball team to really get their feet wet and like start up this season it's been you're right it's been a while since we've had regular Penn State baseball and I can't wait to see what the team does this year absolutely and hopefully the weather will hold up I know it's supposed to get a little warm here this week in Happy Valley but hopefully 
the weather doesn't turn on us as it normally does. Sure. Um, and yeah, I hope I think this year is going to be a special year for uh, Penn State baseball. Going to see a lot of growth. But speaking of year, today marks the one year anniversary of Micah Shrewsbury becoming the head coach here at Penn State. You know, of the Penn State basketball team. Bas- the Penn State men's basketball team just finished off a good campaign in the Big Ten tournament in which they were ousted by Purdue 69-61 to 61, in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament. A lot of people did not expect Penn State to make it there. At one point, they were up, actually, on Purdue. But, you know, couldn't finish the game. It's fine. You know, we we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about Penn State's woes, but we'll celebrate, you know, the good players out that came out of Penn State and the growth that Sh- Michael Shrewsbury has done. You know, John Hara played his last game in a Penn State uniform, so that's pretty emotional. Um, senior guard Jalen Pickett announced he's coming back next year. And obviously we have the best recruiting class in the nation, um, that best recruiting class in Penn State history, rather, coming next year. So, like, Michael Shrewsbury has shown a, lo- shown a lot of growth to this Nittany Lions team, and I just can't wait for, to see what the future holds for Penn State basketball. It's – I'm very – I have a lot of hope for Shrewsbury. Um, he already's proven a lot – for um, this Nittany line program. Like, I just think that he has his whole heart and soul into these guys and just, you know, they, he just wants the best for them and he will coach them um, and lead them to, I mean, they already, the first year he's here, he, they've gone to the big 10 quarterfinals and they did pretty like, you know, 69 to 61. Like I, I watched the game. They did pretty well. I think that they really put their hearts onto that court and, um, I think that this leadership is the right choice um, yeah. for the men's basketball team. Yeah, I cannot wait to see what Shoes does in the future. And, you know, we haven't had a, um, I mean, my freshman year, we were a March Madness lock. But, you know, COVID took away my happiness. But uh, hopefully we get a March Madness. It's, it's, I don't think there's going to be many March Madnesses in the future without Penn State um, basketball in it. Absolutely. And, Lots of exciting things in March, including the Penn State Sports Business Conference, March 24th and 25th. You are getting close to um, the date and you have to get your ticket ASAP before they sell out. You really are going to have such an amazing opportunity to network, to hear from professionals and to network with Penn State students as well. Like um, it's in Beaver Stadium. You know, it's going to be a two-day event, and everybody that's listening to this podcast should be at that conference. Tell your friends, tell your peers. It's going to be a great two days. If you're not at the Penn State Business Sports Business Conference, then what are you really doing? Get your tickets. Tickets on sale now. Like, come on. We got, like, what, eight days till this thing? Let's, let's do it. Yes, and I'm very excited to finally be back in Beaver Stadium um, and to – really see all of this come together. The student planning team has been working on this for a year now, and it's all of our hard work. I'm excited to see it all come together. For sure. And next we have a very very special interview with Ross Tucker. The Huddle is brought to you by Morgan Stanley. We have a very special guest with The Huddle, former NFL player, founder, and CEO of Go Big Recruiting, podcaster, journalist, the list goes on. Ross Tucker, how are you doing today? Destiny, awesome. Noah, great to talk with you guys. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on, Ross. But, you know, we do this to all our guests. You know, just 
before we get into the formal questions, who is Ross Tucker besides the journalism, besides the football? Who is Ross Tucker? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> well, I'm 43, uh, married with two kids, two little girls. They're 10 and 8. I live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, the state capital. I'm originally from Reading, which is kind of an hour west of Philly. And I guess I am just someone who's extremely fortunate that my two dreams in my life both kind of came true. Um, my dad is 5'9", 170 pounds. So I think until I was like in sixth grade, seventh grade, I dreamed of being an NFL player. But I was a late bloomer. So I was like looking at my dad. I was like five, six, 140 pounds, chubby. I was like, yeah, that's not happening. NFL player is not happening. So then I really just wanted to get in the media. I wanted to write for Sports Illustrated or work for ESPN or do something like that. And then much to my surprise, ninth grade, five, nine, 10th grade, six foot, 11th grade, six, three, senior year, six, five. Uh, I couldn't believe that. You know, football helped me go to a school like Princeton. It's kind of funny because I grew up with Penn State season tickets. And I always wanted to go to Penn State and play football there. But because I was such a late bloomer, like my junior year, I was 6'3", 210 pounds. Well, Penn State's not giving a scholarship to an offensive lineman, defensive end who's 210 pounds. So uh, late bloomer. But I did, I did have enough ability to get a chance to go to, you know, Princeton, which was great. And just kind of kept getting bigger and better. And next thing I know, I'm in the NFL for seven years, which was awesome because it really helped me get into the media. You know, I, I get, uh, I talk to young people like yourselves all the time and they're always looking for advice and I have advice and I'm happy to give it. But the reality is I'm in a different situation, right? Like I wouldn't have a lot of the gigs I have if I didn't play in the NFL for seven years. Uh, so my buddies will tell you that they don't know anybody that likes football or talking more than me. So to be able to have a job that combines both is ideal. They will also tell you that they're convinced God made me good enough at football so that I could get all of the, uh, all the broadcasting gigs that I have. Um, because obviously it does make it, um, it's a much easier I don't say easier but it's a much more natural uh transition if you know you, you were you're an expert because you played seven years or whatever that's amazing to hear that little like lineage of your career um especially in the NFL and playing as long as you did in the NFL it's not typical for a lot of Ivy League players especially linemen so what do you um think that your work ethic as a player um, has in the collegiate and professional level, like led you to being in the NFL? You know, what's funny. Um, one of the reasons why I went to Princeton over some scholarships I had, I, I got into Princeton or Harvard with football and I had some scholarships. I remember thinking, well, I'm never going to make the NFL. So if I can go to Princeton or Harvard uh, because of football, I got to do it. Um, you know, I never really, I, I explain this to people. My sister's four years older than me. And that was really impactful for me 
because like when I was in eighth grade, she was a senior. And I remember hearing like what her friends on the football team would say about how, you know, they wish they had spent more time on it. Maybe they could have been all state or maybe they could have gone to college for football. And I guess the, the thing that's been um, most helpful to me is I discovered and decided at a really early age that I really didn't want to have regrets, or at least I wanted to try to minimize the things I would regret as much as possible. And I'm still like that. You know, a few years ago, I got offered an awesome job. And I thought, okay, it's a lot of money and it's a fun job, but I won't be able to go to any of my daughter's after school activities and I won't be able to put them to bed at night. And I always try to look at things like, okay, 20 years from now, what am I going to regret more? Am I going to regret that I didn't take this job or am I going to regret that I didn't, I wasn't there for my daughters when they were younger. And it, when you do things like that, when you try and uh, think about down the line, 10 years, 15, 20 years, and look back on it, it really makes decisions easier. So when I was in high school, I kind of decided I did not want to be like my sister, her friends, in terms of regretting the time I didn't put into football. So whether it was high school or college, um, and certainly the NFL, I was unbelievably dedicated and made a decision that I was going to become the best football player I could possibly be, whatever that meant. You know, it might have meant just starting one year in high school, <clears throat> maybe playing college, you know, obviously in the NFL. All I knew is that when I was done, because football is my favorite thing in the world, right? When I was done, I was going to be able to, for the rest of my life, say that I became the best I could possibly be at my favorite thing in the world to do. Cause that was really what was critically important to me. And I also went out of my way to do well in school because I remember my sister and her friend saying, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I got a C in 10th grade English. Maybe if I had just studied a little bit, I could have gotten into Penn state or Villanova, you know, like I remember them saying that. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, I, I don't want to be like, Oh, if I should, I could have done this or I could have done that. So I've kind of been able to live my life with no regrets for the most part. Um, and it's really served me well. That's, that's awesome. That's, I mean, yeah. I think that it sounds really great. Like that work-life balance, like you have your priorities, your daughters, you want to see them grow up and live their life, but also you have your dream and, you know, you're living the best of both worlds. It sounds like. Can I, can I give you guys <clears throat> some advice? For everybody listening, yeah, and sure. you too, when in doubt, do it. Like, because I'll give you an example. You're like, what's he talking about? I'll give you a couple examples. Senior year, several of my high school buddies were getting together at Bucknell. And I didn't really know if I felt like going or not. It was a month before the draft. And I was like, all right, I'll go. And I met my wife playing beer pong, by the way, at, at Bucknell. Um, wow. Even like 
I was a bottom of the barrel pro prospect and I had a surgery after my senior year in college. So I actually had to decide whether or not I was going to try to play pro football. Like most guys, it's like, they're just going to try. But for me, I'd accepted a job on wall street and I could either work out at 6am every morning to try to make the NFL or have an unbelievable second semester senior year because the NFL was probably a long shot anyway. But I just remember thinking I would only, I'd much more likely regret that I didn't give it a shot, right? Um, you know, in the media, you wanna know how my media career started? Um, I went to the NFL's broadcasting boot camp, and it went pretty well. And but I came away from it thinking a lot of these guys can talk on TV for 15 seconds at a time. And some of them can do radio, but I didn't really think many of the other guys could write. And at Princeton, I had to write papers all the time. I had to write like 20 page papers on Machiavelli or whatever, right? So I had to write papers all the time. And I came away from it thinking that could be how I differentiate myself. That could be what I do that nobody else does. Cause this is 2007, you guys are like really young at that point. And um, 2007 and internet's like booming. Everybody's getting their information from the internet but nobody writing actually played. So my thing is like, I'm gonna be the guy that actually played and can write about what it's like. Like I, I know what it's like in the huddle. I know what it's like at, you know, at the bottom of a pile trying to get a fumble or whatever, right? So I'm playing for Washington at the time and I walk out of, I don't even know what they call the building now, but the building was called Redskin Park at the time. Um, as I'm walking out, I look over and I see Peter King, who's known as like the best pro football writer, you know, NFL writer for the last 30 years, right? And I, and I look at him, I see him, I open the door, I walk out, I take like five steps to my car and I stop and I'm like, no, you know what? No, I'm going to go tell him. I'm going to go introduce myself. I walk back in the building. I go into the media workroom and nobody does it. Like no player ever goes into the media workroom where all the writers are just like, eh, you know? And I was like, Hey, uh, Mr. King, I'm Ross Tucker. He's like, Nice to meet you. And I said, listen, I really like to write. So he had me write his Monday morning quarterback column um, at the end of training camp. I got like four job offers after that. Sports Illustrated, Comcast, Sirius. And I was doing the printing games on the radio. even Because I, I hurt my neck, so I was on injured reserve for Washington. And I wrote about that. And just me deciding to go up and introduce myself to him really changed my life. That is literally, that's an amazing story because especially a lot of people are afraid to take that one step to go up to the person that can really open a lot of doors for them. So that's when in doubt, do it. That's a great mentality to have, but let's move on from your writing. You to say you do a lot of podcasts might be one of the biggest understatements ever. So talk to us about, you know, your podcast, your journey into podcasting, and probably one of your most highly rated shows, the Even Money Betting Podcast. Talk to us about that and how you see podcasting evolving as a future for sports journalism. 
Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny, Noah, because now everybody and their brother has a podcast, right? So this is another one. I'm not going to say it's luck, but the story I just told you guys about 2007. So Sports Illustrated hires me, and I write for them for a couple years. And then ESPN calls me, and they want to pay me like, I don't know, five times, ten times more per article that Sports Illustrated was writing was paying me. So I was like, all right, I'm in. Let's do it. Of course, I've been waiting for this. And ESPN said to me, Noah, Ross, will you, will you host our, our podcast, our football podcast? And I was like, absolutely, dude. I would love to. You have to understand, this is 2009. I had no idea what a podcast was. None. None. I just knew they were going to pay me money to talk about football. So I was in. I was in. So back then there were like no podcasts or very few. So I was hosting the ESPN football today podcast for three years. And we were getting like 90,000 listeners an episode back when there was not many people listening to podcasts. And we started to get sponsors and they would have me on the calls with these sponsors. So when my contract was up, um, I caught wind that ESPN wasn't going to renew me. It's a long story, but I was doing a lot of television work for NBC Sports Network at the time. I don't think they liked that their Football Today podcast host was on TV on a competitor, right? Sometimes they don't all work together. So I was like, okay, I got to start my own. I got to start the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. And I called... The other advert, the advertisers on the ESPN podcast. And I was like, hey, man, I'm doing my own thing. Introductory pricing. Do you want in? And they, they all said yes. So, like, I started a podcast. Before I had a single listener, I had advertisers. And I had, like, a profitable podcast business. So I did that for a year. And then the next year, all my buddies, all they would ever talk about was fantasy football. I was like, I got to start a fantasy podcast. I started the Fantasy Feast podcast. And then the year after that, it was like, man, they're talking about betting a lot. Like that is going to be popular. So I started the Even Money podcast. This is way before sports betting was legalized in a lot of states, United States. Thank goodness I did that, by the way. And then I started a college draft podcast, which is cool because it's college football podcast, but also an NFL draft podcast. We talk about like the best players and we even make picks against the spread for college games like Penn state. So it's kind of a college betting podcast too. Um, and so that's kind of my network. Andrew Brandt, the former Packers executive does the business of sports podcast on my network. So I've got five different shows during the season I actually physically host nine of them. So Ross Tucker football podcast is daily. Even money and college draft are once a week. Fantasy feast is twice a week. So I do nine podcasts a week during the NFL season, seven in the off season. Um, and, it's, and it's become a very nice business for me. Um, but I don't know how it would go, Noah, if I tried to start, start it now. It, you know... Everybody has a podcast now, and discovery is very difficult, meaning 
people even knowing about it. So my advice would be, if you're going to start a podcast, start it with the end in mind. In other words, who, who are the advertisers for this? Who's going to actually pay money? Is it advertisers or a subscription? Anybody can start a podcast just to have fun, but if you don't already know who the advertisers are, if you don't already know how you're going to make money from it, don't start it. Unless you are doing something totally unique that nobody else is doing and you're and you know there's going to be a big audience for it. My guess is that's not a realistic thing that it's probably already out there. Somebody else is probably already doing it. So what I recommend to people is if you know something you can do, like let's say you guys just want to do a podcast on food and state college, right? And um, you knew you could get the different restaurants to advertise on the show. That's great. You guys could do food reviews of the different places in state college and you knew they would advertise on it. That's great. Now you have a... Uh, you have a, a monetizable podcast. Otherwise, you're really better off at this stage working for a bigger podcast network, probably behind the scenes, getting involved with them, and then eventually trying to convince them to let you start your own with their support and their backing so you can actually grow an audience. Yeah, that's really great advice. Just it seems like a lot of people are hopping on the podcast route. Um, and you made a good point about trying to differentiate yourself. Um, Maybe hard, but that's a really interesting route that you mentioned. Um, kind of diverging a little bit. Journalism is obviously a great part of your life. Another um, endeavor that you have is my front page story. Um, talk to us a little bit what, about what that is and why it's so important. Well, so by the way, um, I get Penn State interns for some, I, I have three startups that I've started that are all profitable and doing well. I get Penn State interns um, for uh, my businesses. And uh, I've got a couple on myfrontpagestory.com and they're doing an absolutely awesome job. It is essentially um, the greatest gift you can give somebody, and by the way, it's, um, I don't even know how to say Hayden's last name, Hayden Semish, S-E-M-I-S-C-H, I just always call her Hayden, and Ava Dominguez are the two interns for myfrontpagestory.com, but here's the deal, you talk to one of our writers for 10 minutes about, like for you guys, maybe it's about your mom for Mother's Day, or maybe it's about your significant other, whatever, let's just say it's your mom. They write the most unbelievable story of your mom with quotes from you and your siblings. You send them pictures. It looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It's framed. It's beautiful. And when you give it to your mom, she'll be like, what is this? And, and you and your sibling, mom, we wanted something special for you. We had a story written about you. She will be blown. She won't even know that's a real thing. Like you had a story written about me. That's amazing. Yes, it is, mom. We have a story written about you. But then when she reads it, my, my sister and I got one from my mom when she turned 70. And like my sister had a quote where it was like, I wouldn't be the woman I am today if it weren't for my mom. 
my mom just started bawling, like crying. It's an awesome. I've gotten so many videos and, and uh, pictures now. It is an awesome, awesome gift that people love. Um, it's cool. It wasn't even my idea. I'm a, I'm a co-founder of that one, but uh, man, I'm glad. We, it's so cool to see how happy it makes the people that get them. So anybody listening or watching for Val, uh, for Mother's Day, that's what you should get your mom, a story from myfrontpagestory.com. That's beautiful, Ross. Um, and then let's go, let's wrap it up here. To wrap it up, obviously, you know, we do this podcast through the Penn State Sports Business Conference, which is a gigantic conference to help people who are, you know, perspective in the sports industry network, find people who work in the industry and just basically, you know, rub shoulders with people who can help open opportunities for them. You see things like the Penn State Sports Business Conference, you see certain colleges that have sports business clubs, analytic clubs and whatnot, helping people, you know, put their foot up in the door. How important do you think things like the Penn State Sports Business Conference and organizations like that, how important are they for students who really don't know how to really, you know, put their foot in the door in the sports industry and want to get a feel of how, how to experience it? Huge, huge. Um, anything like that, anything networking, anything you can meet people in person. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, whether it's people that are already in the industry or others that are very eager to get into the industry, like people at the Penn State Business Conference, other students, meet them. Nothing negative can come from meeting them, only positive things, right? You never know who might be the one that has something and then you guys are friends from the Penn State Business Conference, he recommends you. you. You never know how that's gonna end up working out. My recommendation is to go to it, to meet as many people as possible and follow up. So often people will meet someone, whether it's somebody in the industry or whatever, they'll meet them, it's great. And then they just like, let it go. No, don't let it go. Put their number in your phone email them, text them. It was great to meet you. Can I job shadow sometime? Um, do you have any internships available? Like whatever it is, you have to follow up. So, so many people, so many young people want to get into sports, right? I get it. Like, so did I, right? I get everybody does. A, a lot of people do at least, right? You have to be, it has to be more important to you than it is to anybody else. Meaning you got to be the one that's willing to send the email and then the follow-up email and then the text and be persistent. You know, sometimes I wait and see like with interns who emails me a second time, who texts me a second time. Cause to me that shows how bad they really want it. It shows they really want the opportunity. And that's what I'm looking for. I want somebody that really wants it. I mean, that's great advice. Um, you know, the sports industry, you got to be hungry. You got to really want it. Um, Ross, you've gave some great advice um, this episode on, you know, just figuring out what you want to do, how to go about sports journalism. Great advice overall. Thank great. you so much for yeah. joining us today. Everyone follow him at Ross Tucker NFL on social media. Ross, thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate you reaching out. Good luck to you.
Thank you. Good luck with all your endeavors. You know, I'm I'm definitely gonna tune into a lot of the podcasts for sure. Awesome. Yep. Check it out. Thank you guys. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the huddle. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow our Instagram and Twitter, both at Penn State SBC, for more updates on our next podcast. We are.